This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Now, across the country, you see sports teams playing in suburbs and towns, even states outside their namesake city, like the Los Angeles Rams in Inglewood, California, the Las Vegas Raiders, formerly known as the Oakland Raiders in Paradise, Nevada, and the New York Jets and Giants in New Jersey. But at least for now, Chicago's four major sports teams, the Cubs, White Sox, Bulls, and Blackhawks, well, they play at stadiums that are within city limits. Think the United Center, Wrigley, Guaranteed Rate, and Soldier Field. Now, since these stadiums are icons in their own right, our architecture sleuth, Dennis Rodkin, checked them out for our What's That Building series. Welcome back, Dennis. How are you, Sasha? Doing I'm well. Sorry I couldn't make it to the studio. Yeah, I'm missing you today, but I'm glad you were able to be on the phone with us. And we, of course, could not tell this story of sports legacy here in Chicago without hearing from WBEZ sports contributor Cheryl Ray Stout. Hey, Cheryl. Hi, Sasha. Hi, Dennis. Hi. Hi, All Cheryl. Right. How are you? Good. So, Dennis, this was a bit of a tough assignment, <laughs> talking about all these stadiums all together. What is it that sticks out to you from this exercise? Well, you know, the problem is we could have done an entire series. We're looking at icons, and each one of these stadiums has iconic power, not only in its sport, but in its neighborhood um, and and to its fans. So the idea was, what do they say about us as a city? First of all, as you've already mentioned, that they're all within the city limits, that you can still take uh, public transit most easily to the baseball stadiums, but you can get to the other two as well by public transit. And our teams named Chicago are still in Chicago. So what does that mean? Um, and I think part of it is is really uh, a piece of that identity of Chicago as a real, um, as a place that really hangs together as mm-hmm. a city. It's a real city, which, you know, you get to Phoenix, you get to Las Vegas. If you've been to a place like Chicago, you don't see those as cities. Yeah, that is that is so true. And you know what else, too, Cheryl? You can get to these stadiums on public transit. I mean, how big of a deal is that when you're trying to build a fan base? Oh, it's it's huge. And and what's really cool is sometimes when the White Sox and the Cubs had a, a game the same day, one in the afternoon in the Wrigley Field, one at guaranteed rate, you could make it that day. I, the, I feel like aisle. you've done that. <laughs> yes, I have. Um, but but that's, that's the beauty of it is that they are accessible and – and and you ha- and you enjoy the atmosphere when you're on the L with Cub fans or Sox fans or Bear fans or Bulls fans or Blackhawks fans. It's like a community, and you're in this this L, and and everyone has an opinion, mm-hmm. you know. So it's kind of like having a traveling bar without the booze. Yeah. How does how, when you're thinking of fandom, how how does it compare to other cities that you've been to? Um, it, it's it's strong. We have a very and, – and, and I've been to Boston. I've been in New York. I've been all and, – and they, they are all very different. But there's something about Chicago. I mean, we are a blue-collar town still in, in a lot of ways. And we we use sports to be our release. And that's really important for most of us that have been involved with sports or have been following sports is that sports is like, you know, if you've had a bad day. I've worked at a factory. And so to be able to go to a sporting event, oh, relief. you could relief. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dennis, I heard you chuckling there. Do you see this this fandom as part of what makes the stadium so iconic? I think it does. I um, So one of the reasons to team up with Cheryl is that she is a great in Chicago sports reporting. But another is that I don't really follow sports. Um, 
but it that is to say it all hits you by osmosis i mean i know when cubs games days are by who's on the train right um you know when soldier field is full because parking is really hard in the south loop i mean i think we really do i i can't speak for other cities but it's always really amazing to see our last mayor had um uh annual seats had had yeah, uh, box seats at Soldier Field. I think it really does feel like um, like a piece, like an important piece of the fabric of the city that yeah. philanthropists are involved, that you see those crowds spilling out of any of those stadiums after. Uh, and that, you know, we elevate not only people like Michael Jordan, who, you know, sort of elevated himself by being the greatest ever, but all of our players become, um, some go on to go into broadcasting here in town, but really they become a piece of the sort of strata, the upper strata of Chicago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, you mentioned Soldier Field there. Cheryl, let's let's talk about that elephant in the room, right? The Bears might actually leave Chicago. Right. How much would that change the conversation we're having right now? It it changes it somewhat. Um, It it, it is, you you miss the stadium, the Soldier Field, where you could see the lakefront and stuff like that. That's something we, 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 we really love. But the, t- the times have changed. And in order to have uh, a functioning stadium that makes money and that, you know, now, as you mentioned, the other cities that have these places outside of their cities, the fact is is that they want entertainment areas. So they want this huge stadium, but they also want the perks of being a year-round mm-hmm. uh, usage. Yeah. Well, Dennis, even if the Bears head to the suburbs, I mean, we're still going to have the stadium. So just fill us in on some of the design elements, particularly those those columns that we've come to know and love. Yeah, you know, it, I think Soldier Field is also very much a Chicago story because it has so much history going back to 1924 when it's designed actually not as a football stadium, but as a municipal stadium for all sorts of things, horse shows and skiing and soccer and there was this great pageant of jewish history during the world's fair it was just designed to be a stadium but it was even so designed to be the best of the stadiums it's designed it was designed to look like a greek temple essentially it's got those columns that now that remain Mm -hmm. on the east and west sides but what makes it a chicago story i think is that then we do this big architectural thing um, decades later, that bowl that was inserted um, in the early 2000s. It was done, of course, to keep the Bears in Chicago, or in part, to keep the Bears in Chicago. But um, we've got this old memorial. The, it, it wasn't uh, originally called Soldier Field, but shortly after it opens, it becomes a war memorial. It's called Soldier Field. Mm-hmm. You can't knock that down. So let's put this big, super modern bowl inside those pillars and you know people will argue uh till the cows come home whether that was a good idea or a bad (laughs) whether you like the look of it whether it looks like a cruise ship crashed up onto onto land but it does mean that what you know it's part of that historic fabric cheryl was talking about how um you know you can take the l but you also can go to soldier field and know this has been here since 1924 this isn't an entertainment district that was built all brand new just uh, with public funds to keep a team here. Right. Well, whether you like it or not, Cheryl, these sports stadiums are a big draw for tourists. Oh, yes, very much so. You know, Wrigley Field, you go to Wrigley Field, and there's always a group of people from 
Iowa or from Wisconsin, you know, and, and some of them don't have teams in their own states, so they come to Chicago because Wrigley Field has that atmosphere, and also it, it's iconic. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a very, very old stadium. Um, when you go to, it was, I always find it's interesting, I could be at the United Center during the summer when there's no activity going on as far as teams. There will be buses coming there to United Center just to see the Michael Jordan statue. Yeah. I mean, it's, That's and, a cool statue, though. It's a cool statue. It's in an atrium now. But but it's it's something about when you see that that people do that um, going to Soldier Field people people from outside want to see Soldier Field because it it, it is a pretty setting yeah. it's a horrible stadium as far as watching a game but there's something about that and I think tourism um, it's also one way people like to know about Chicago sports yeah and what better way to do it than going to a game absolutely. Let's let's talk about Wrigley Field, Dennis. Since we've touched on it, the the massive renovation and expansion, uh, what's known as the 1060 project, it, it wrapped up a few years ago, and it added a uh, video screen for I guess better fan engagement, some more restaurants, clubs, t- two screens. Cheryl says um, classic touches like the ivy wall are still there. So uh, originally, though, this was a seminary. Well, uh, yeah, well, the land under it was a seminary. We actually, just a couple of months ago, we did a What's That Building about uh, where that seminary ended up in Hyde Park. But uh, it's there in the 19th century on that land, moves to Maywood, and um, a football, uh, I mean, a baseball stadium is built for the Chicago Federals. Charlie Wiegman builds this stadium for the Federals who were part of the Federal Baseball League. That all fails. And then Wiegman and others, including Bill Wrigley, William Wrigley Jr., mm-hmm. um, bring the Cubs to this stadium. The Cubs had been on the west side of Chicago, near where where the University of Illinois medical campus is, but they're moved up um, shortly after the, the park opens in 1914. And by 1916, the Cubs are there. And, and the amazing thing is, still there. Yeah. It was designed by Zachary Taylor Davis, who was also the uh, architect for the old Comiskey Park. Mm-hmm. Um, we know these are rival teams, but I, I got to ask, were there big similarities between the two stadiums? Well, you know, originally, I mean, really, the architect was essentially the engineer. How do I, for the stadiums, not for a building, how do we jack up all these um, uh, bleachers for people to sit in? When you look at historical photos of Comiskey, Usually what you see is something later after uh, two big outer decks were added. So you don't really see what Wiegman built. But but he was an interesting guy. There's an old article that re- refers to him because he built these two stadiums as the Frankoid Rite of Baseball. Um, he really sort of created the, the form of the stadium. He goes out uh, when... Uh, he's asked to design the first one he did yeah. was was Comiskey and he goes out with a, a member of the team and tours baseball stadiums around the country to say, well, how can we build the best and the biggest and the nicest um, and creates essentially when you see what he later did at Wrigley with the mm-hmm. um, iron arches and the brick. A lot of that starts at Comiskey and then is replicated at Wrigley. And the brick, the brick, interestingly, is chosen to fit the stadium into the neighborhood. This goes back to part of what Cheryl was saying about these these yeah. stadiums as being part of the neighborhood. Comiskey was near a lot of the meatpacking plants. Mm-hmm. Comiskey Park was going to be near a lot of the meatpacking plants, which were built of brick. So to sort of fit in 
to that context, um, Zachary Taylor Davis used a lot of brick, which he then also uses at Wrigley later on. Yeah, guaranteed rate field, Cheryl, I mean, where the White Sox play. I mean, it hasn't had the same impact on Bridgeport no. as, you know, Wrigley Field on, on Wrigleyville, right? It used to. The way the old park was, there used to be a bar right across the street called McCuddy's that was well known. My grandfather, who delivered coal to both ballparks, mm-hmm. used to go to McCuddy's. Wow. Know, that's during the 20s and the 30s. But they and the other thing that they did when they built the new park is that they they switched the the angle of it. It used to the old Comiskey Park used to face down. You could see it downtown. You could see some of the buildings. They turned it the other way so it's facing south southwest. Mm. So it it changed that that whole look of it. It just hasn't had the, the the warmth that it used to have. The old, if you ever went to old uh, Comiskey Park, and I love that place, but it was it was huge. It was it was much bigger than Wrigley Field, and and it had a lot of character. At guaranteed rate, they have made some changes. They did change some things as far as because the upper decks had to be changed. Because if you had any, any vertical, going up those steps was very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it still is is it's a park that – one of the things about uh, guaranteed rate, it's very, very good for kids. They have an area, a fundamentals area where kids can throw balls and run bases. And that's something that most ballparks don't have. Okay. Well, that's good. Uh, I want to touch before we wrap here – Back on the United Center, because, I mean, this is, we're talking about all these outdoor parks, but this is an indoor stadium, an arena, of course. We know that the Bulls play here. In your piece, Dennis, you make this point that the corporate sponsor's name of the United Center, that it describes the place so well. What did you mean? You know, it's it's just sort of one of those jokes of modern history that um, the Blackhawks and the Bulls were both playing in the Chicago Stadium. The owners of those two teams in the early 90s announced we're going to build a new stadium for both teams. The Blackhawks had been there since the 20s when the stadium was built, and the Bulls, a younger team, had been there since the 90s. We're going to build a stadium that unites the two of us. Mm -hmm. And what's one of the biggest uh, corporate names in Chicago? United Airlines, which becomes the corporate sponsor of this stadium that unites two teams. And still today, uh, nearly 30 years later, is the is still the corporate sponsor. You've got so many memories in that building, don't you, Cheryl? <laughs> the old one, I, I loved. It was it was creaky and, and it was it was loud. But you know, at the new one, it's the largest uh, for the NHL as far as as seats goes for 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 fans. Um, but be able to see there, it, we call it the place that Michael Jordan built. Yeah, because believe me, it wasn't going to be built before, you know, Michael Jordan. And because remember, the Blackhawks were not that good during that period where the Bulls were when they decided to build the new stadium. Yeah. So they had the impetus to be able to build a new stadium because of Michael Jordan. And when you go in there and you see those banners up there, you know, all the championships, and now you have the Blackhawks, all their championships. Mm -hmm. There's something about being able to have the presence of enjoying an atmosphere where championships were won. Yeah, we'll leave it there. We've been speaking with Cheryl Ray Stout, WBEZ sports contributor, and Dennis Rodkin, residential real estate reporter for Crane Chicago Business. Thank you both so much. Thank you.